Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Since the beginning of the current fighting in Israel and Palestine, we have seen an absolute cultural implosion, mostly between leftists, but there also exists some contention on the right. Now, it's fascinating because we often say that the left marches in lockstep. Many of these liberals will align themselves with leftists even when they disagree, as evidenced by Ethan Klein's partnership with Hassan Piker. For those that are not familiar, I think most of you are. Hassan is the largest left wing live streamer. Ethan Klein is a prominent Internet personality, comedian and now podcaster. And they do a show together called Leftovers. A couple of weeks ago, Ethan Klein said, he may be putting leftovers on pause. And toward the end of their stream on Friday, he walked off the show after being spammed with Zionist and a whole bunch of other, I don't know, insults and epithets and things of that nature. It's not just on the left, though. We're certainly seeing conflict on the right. Personalities that were typically more in support of Donald Trump now feuding with other conservatives and people who are pro-Israel. And boy, is it all just breaking down in rather shocking ways. Hassan Piker goes on a show with Ethan Klein, who is, okay, Ethan Klein is Jewish and married to an IDF veteran, and he says the killing of babies is a matter of law and may be justified because those babies are settlers. I am not exaggerating. I will play the clip for you. Like, <laughs> What can I say? Wow. In the quote-unquote right sphere, which includes post-liberals and things like that. We have Barry Weiss saying anti-Israel sentiment shows that society is breaking down. And I'm like, (laughs) I've never wanted more to just get in my van and go down by the river. Chris Farley was onto something. It seems like everyone's just plumb losing their minds. And I'm just sitting here like, man, I don't I don't know why there is such a dramatic, dramatic obsession with with Israel, Palestine, I understand. Look, if you want to make an argument about U.S. funding foreign countries, I'm listening. I am concerned that you, good American individual, you work every day. You are trying to figure out how to feed yourself, your family, pay your rent. 
be successful, be a contributing member of society. And large portions of the money you generate is taken by Uncle Sam to go blow up kids somewhere else. And now if, if the left is arguing Israel's blowing up kids and all, I'm like, look, man, you want to make a historical argument about who's right, who is wrong and all of this stuff. I, I don't know, dude. I am not a scholar on this. We had Aaron Maté on the show last night. He's a good dude. He's more left. He's pro-Palestine. But when I talk to him and then I talk to someone who's more pro-Israel, they give me two very different versions of history. And we have this with, with Ethan Klein and what may be the, the shattering of the left as we know it. Because this is a really great example. Ethan Klein is not a leftist. Ethan Klein is a guy who was prominent on the internet, who was an edgy comedian who made offensive jokes, and like many other celebrities, seemed to decide that the quote unquote left was the safe position for their careers moving forward once the split culturally happened. When many former Democrats decided to start supporting Donald Trump and things of that nature, we end up with big celebrities, you know, like Sarah Silverman, Amy Schumer, many of these prominent celebrities who have no business in politics, all of a sudden were like, we're leftists. And the issue there becomes Ethan Klein, who is married to an Israeli woman and Israeli Defense Force veteran, is my understanding. I could be wrong, but uh, my understanding is that she did serve. I could be, again, could be wrong. I don't know a whole lot about uh, him and his family. I got no beef. Why would he ever decide to do a show with Hassan Piker? Why would any of these celebrities, you know why? This has been the point we all who are uh, opposing of the cult, the, the woke cult and the leftists have been saying the entire time. When Donald Trump steps onto the scene, I say something like, look, man, I have my positions. I know what I believe. There are things I like and I don't like. Critical of Donald Trump. I said he's a potty mouth, bad decorum and all that stuff. But in the end, when it actually came down to the election, there's no way I'm voting for Joe Biden because Donald Trump, no new wars. There's a lot of beneficial things there. And I'm practical, somewhat pragmatic, and I can only do what I think will inch us towards a better life and, and things like this. But you see, when many people like me who are moderate leaning, slightly left, you had you, you had people like us. And, and in fact, I bet many of you watch or watched Ethan Klein's videos and shows in the past. I did. And then what ends up happening is he decides I'm going to go with the left on this one. You get people like me and many people like you who are like, look, I'm not going with anybody, man. Just be honest. And in the end, my, my thing is it's, it's men. I have people uh, who say, you know, Tim Cass's audience captured. I'm like, quite literally not. Nah, you know, I was getting 120 million views in 2020. OK, I cut those views successfully in half by just maintaining my position. And my position has always been I'll just say what I think. And I'm wrong often. I'm not going to try to pander to people to earn their viewership. And when people are like, oh, Tim sucks, I'm not going to watch. There's nothing I can do about that, man. I, I cannot just try and chase after a market block as if I'm producing something for people instead of just trying to be me and explain who I am. This show would never work if I was constantly trying to figure out how to attract more viewers. All I can do is just be who I am. And this results in, in viewership decline. And uh, I, I just really don't care. I really don't care. During the election cycle, I'm like, Trump's got to win. A lot of people liked it. After Trump lost, I said, Trump lost. They said, no, he didn't. You're wrong. And they went for the fraud narrative. You're allowed to believe that. I don't know everything. I could be wrong about a lot. I probably am. But then a lot of people don't want to watch. But I tell you this. I said this at Occupy. I said it after Occupy. I said it to all the Trump supporters and all the conservatives in 2018. You think I'm on your side. I'm not on anyone's side. 
I'm on. The, I, I, I should say I'm on the side of, you know, American values, meritocracy, individual liberties, things like this. And there will come a time when the factions split and they shift and people are going to say, oh, you changed. And this is exactly what, what happens. Let me let me get into the story here, because what we're seeing now is I don't know what's going to happen moving forward in the culture war and politics, because I could not have predicted this. You've got people, uh, you've got black voters in Chicago putting out videos saying they're going to vote for Republicans because of the the failures of the Democrats. You've got pro-Palestinian activists saying they refuse to vote for Joe Biden and they will mobilize against him over his support for Israel. And then you have culturally on the left this. Now, I think many of you may not actually care. I mean, it's not like Ethan Klein and Hassan Piker are MSNBC or a massive multinational corporation or anything like this. They're dudes with opinions. But the shattering of this show is the it, it's, it's the it, look, Amy Schumer's old guard, right? She's on Netflix. She does all this traditional media stuff. And she's been posting conservative uh, websites because she's defending Israel and she's been attacked for it. There have been many other personalities who are uh, uh, facing risk because they're pro-Israel. Aaron Maté on the show last night says, no way. Who who got fired? And I'm like, Tar Strong got fired abruptly online. I got another story for you. At a film festival, a bunch of filmmakers refused to, to participate because the, the, the uh, festival condemned the phrase from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. There is a massive rupturing that is occurring on the left. And I got another video for you. Ben Shapiro, apparently I got I, this clip, says Candace Owens is being disgraceful in her in her behaviors. And I'm just sitting back like, man, I don't know why everyone cares so much about this. Now, to be fair, I totally get why Ethan Klein does. His wife's Israeli. I totally get why Ben Shapiro does. Ben Shapiro was literally in Israel just before this happened. I get and respect that. If you are directly connected to this event, you have family and friends there. Totally understand. Justin Amash, he lost family members in in, in Gaza. And I'm like, I understand why you are bringing this up. Let's try and figure this one out. But for so many Americans obsessed, I'm just, I don't get it. But you know what? This is a variable that is going to absolutely rupture our expectations, shatter what we thought might happen in this upcoming election and what it means to be in a culture war. Let's roll uh, the story. Ethan Klein trades barbs with Hassan Piker, Twitch chat over Israel and Palestinian conflict. And uh, toward the end of Friday's stream, Klein walked off the show. Take a look at this. Klein, a Jewish man who is married to a Jewish woman that previously served in the Israeli Defense Forces, has worked with Piker for several years on the Leftovers podcast, in which the two discuss current events and internet culture from a liberal perspective. We have this one. Ethan Klein breaks down on stream after withstanding an unending barrage of 30,000 cultists in Hassan's chat, spamming Hamas are resistance fighters and from the river to the sea and Zionist pig perpetually for three straight hours. It was hard to watch. You know what, man? I, I just... All I can really say is, here's the cold wake up call that may result in, I do believe, us winning the culture war, which is what we've been trying to do for some time. Why? Because Ethan Klein should be on our side of this culture war. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. 
Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Here's what I mean by that. I, I, I've had uh, arguments with Steven Crowder. Uh, friendly, as friends. Uh, I think Steven Crowder does tremendous work. His recent uh, expose of the manifesto was some of the most important and the best investigative journalism we've seen in our lifetime. But uh, there's a lot of great investigative journalism. So I think Steven Crowder's team hit it out of the park. Steven Crowder and I have had arguments on pro-choice, pro-life, etc. And uh, in the end, we're like, nice to meet you. Thanks for hanging out. Let's have a good time. Even though we disagree and are somewhat differing in politics, we, we're Americans and we like America. Ethan Klein should be absolutely in this space. He should be arguing with me and people like Crowder and then being friends. Why? Edgy comedian guy on the Internet. Instead, he decided to align with cult leftist insanity. You want me to, look, I'm going to I'm going to play this clip for you. Man. And, you know, I'm not a fucking radical Jew. I'm not even a religious Jew. No, I, have I, no I, fucking, I have no stake in the game. And this is coming from. He just goes silent. And then he puts his hand to his forehead. I, I know. I know. And then he, and he just leaves. He can't do it. Um, My dude. My dude, Ethan Klein. Brother. This would never happen if you were in our space. Ethan, you as a social Democrat could come on Timcast IRL or any other show with Steven Crowder, with uh, who else? Do, who, who, I don't know. Crowder's a good example. You go on these shows, you talk to someone maybe like Vivan Barnes, you talk to uh, Sticks Hexenhammer. I don't think Sticks does like interviews, but I'm just saying like you come in this space with disparate ideologies and opinions, ain't nobody going to insult you and attack you uh, uh, to this insane of a degree. When we on Timcast IRL, it's fascinating to see like it goes back and forth. We get uh, we get accused uh, Timcast of being Zionist chills. And we also have people here who are accused of being uh, uh, pro Hamas and, and other. It, it's, it's nuts. It just it is what it is. But I'm just saying, man, he storms off the show. The left is attacking him. You must align with their views. Ethan's got a video clip where he mentions this is back on October 24th. He said that it's crazy to see people in on, on his servers in his chat just wholly believing Hamas propaganda, just outright. And this is a uh, this is a tweet from Nicholas Diorio. Ethan Klein announces leftovers will likely be on pause going forward. He's planning to discuss this with Hassan soon. Let me show you this. This is from The Federalist. Leftist streamer Hassan Piker justifies Hamas baby beheadings as both legal and moral. This October 27th, when I saw this, I said, no, 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 no. Come on. I mean, like Hassan's many things, but this is a bit too much federalist. Certainly you have skewed this headline. Oh, they posted a video. They posted this video and uh, here and this I got to play this clip. 
Palestinians, and this is going to sound very radical and possibly very violent, but this is a matter of law, and maybe even if you agree with this, a matter of morality. Palestinians uh, have the, the legal ground to violently seize back their own homes from the settlers. This is a reality, and that is precisely the reason why they have to exist under endless occupation in the West You know what, and that's why I say, if it was settlers, that would be a lot more understandable, yeah. but let's not obfuscate, okay? I understand what you're saying, but this dude just called babies militants. No, I, I understand, and there are baby settlers as well. But there are baby settlers as well. There are babies in the settlements. But the babies that killed weren't, they were not. I know. Okay, so, 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 so here, here's now we establish that. Yeah. No, no, hold on. Now that we establish that. <laughs> okay, I have to understand. I have to assume there's more context to this. I don't think Hassan is outright calling babies militants. But let me play that for you one more time. Have to exist under endless occupation in the West You know what? And that's why I say, if it was settlers, that would be a lot more understandable. Yeah. But let's not... If it was settlers, that would be a lot more understandable, right? Here's what Hassan says. Obfuscate. Okay, I understand what you're saying. But this dude just called babies militants. No, I, I understand. And there are baby settlers as well. But there are baby settlers as well. There are babies in the settlements. But the ba There are baby settlers as well. Okay. I got to play this for you again. Palestinians, and this is going to sound very radical and possibly very violent, but this is a matter of law. And maybe even if you agree with this, a matter of morality. Palestinians uh, have the, the legal ground to violently seize back their own homes from the settlers. This is a reality, and that is precisely the reason why they have to exist under endless occupation in the West You know Bank. what? And that's why I say, if it was settlers, that would be a lot more understandable. Yeah. Okay, so let me break this down for you. He's saying Palestinians have the right to engage in these in these actions and, and, and be violent to seize back their land, or the legal ground to do so, or the moral ground. That's his argument. Ethan Klein says, yes, but he's calling babies militants. And then Hassan says, they're baby settlers. Ethan Klein says, if they were settlers, it would be more understandable, uh, more understanding. And he says, the babies are settlers. Okay. I'm sorry, dude. He's, he's literally saying the babies are, 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 are targets are absolutely, this is just absolutely insane, man. Don't get me wrong. My, my position on all of this is very much so that, you know, it's war, baby. And bad things happen in war. And anybody who claims that there are special rules and laws for how war is carried out, they're 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 full of it. They're trying to they're trying to, to rock you to bed with beautiful fairy tales. War is is chaos, destruction, and and all anybody wants is victory. You think anybody's gonna come out and be like, that uh, that wolf committed a crime by killing too many deer? No. Wolves will kill the deer and they'll eat what they want to eat. There's no special rules for how they do it. It was wrong of the wolf to kill the young, the, the young fawn, but uh, we'll arrest them promptly. Now, there are certain things we do when it comes to animals to control animal populations and things like this. My point is, baby, in war, okay, to the victory go the spoils. Or, uh, to the victors go the spoils. When it comes to what we want, this is the point of war. If we as civilized people say no killing babies, OK, no chemical weapons and it's a horrifying stuff. Sure, because we're trying we want stability and we believe in morals and it's because our own people would not tolerate such extreme actions. But you know what the other guys are going to say? They're going to say, I will do anything by any means necessary to win. And Hassan is bringing that point up that Palestinians can have a legal justification of killing babies because the babies are, are settlers on their land and they can violently seize it back. Now, here's the point. You, so, uh, there's probably a bunch of leftists that agree with him. That's why he's a big streamer. OK, I think Hassan just says quite literally whatever his audience wants him to say. I really do think that. And that's evidenced by the fact that he's I, I've, I, I, you know, famous or I shouldn't say famously, but uh, to, many to you may know this. I did a video agreeing with Hassan 
and he made a video ragging on me about it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, dude, my position is principle and morals. His is whatever my audience expects. They don't like Tim Pool. I'll rag on him. But imagine being Ethan Klein in this position. Imagine being a dude who hitched your wagon to a radical extremist faction of people so insane that they would try in some way to justify the killing of babies. Dude, when I my criticisms of Israel are that babies are dying, that I see these videos. I don't believe Hamas. Hamas lies all the time. The hospital bombing, the refugee camp, just liars. Shut your mouths. But you do know it is a fact that there is collateral damage and collateral murder, whatever you want to call it. The argument is from Ben Shapiro. Israel targeting Hamas and civilians dying in the process is is dramatically different from Hamas landing in Israel and then going and massacring civilians. He is correct. Sorry, but it's true. It doesn't mean what Israel is doing is good. It doesn't mean that there, there can't be uh, that, we, that we can we don't have to criticize. No, there should be criticism of Israel. But I do think Hamas is substantially worse in what they're doing. And no, I don't think there is any mortification for killing babies. I think the, the, the strategic move Hamas could have made if their intention really was right of return or whatever would be entering Israel, creating a corridor where they rush civilians out, all civilians go into go into if they were going to the kibbutzim, I got the pronunciation, the, the, the proper uh, plural for kibbutz. If they went into these places, they could have just removed people and said, you leave now. We don't want you getting hurt, but we are taking our land back. Would have been a very, very different story. They would have got tremendous sympathy internationally. But you know what? That's not Hamas's goal. Hamas wanted to shut down the Abraham Accords and they wanted to shift the conversation back to Hamas. And they know that by in- engaging in extremist acts and killing civilians, then they're going to get the West to pay them. And that's exactly what happened. But anyway, I digress. I, I'm not here to make moral arguments about Israel-Palestine. And people are like, oh, wait, dude, war is escalating. Our culture is fragmenting. People are outright losing their minds over all of this. And to see so many people, it, it's so heartbreaking to see Ethan Klein be like, I'm a leftist, so I'll agree with these crazy people. We're like, dude, don't put the adult books in schools. Everyone should agree with this. Don't have children taking off their clothes for adult men at gay bars. Everyone should agree with this. But they come on shows like mine. When we have some of these people come on and they say, then you're for censorship. Dude, y'all are pandering to the left for the sake of appearing like you're in alignment. And now it's a cold, hard wake up call when people like Hassan say, well, but the babies were settlers. You know, some of them are settlers. Are you nuts? Dude, I'm sorry, man. I got moral lines. And 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 I, I can have arguments to the detriment of my own business by being like, I am not a staunch pro-lifer. And there are people who are like, Tim's a baby killer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, okay, look, dude, I'm not going to lie to you, okay? I'm going to tell you what I genuinely believe. My opinions change on some things. If you like the show, I appreciate it. Okay, watch our documentaries or whatever. There are things I believe in, things that I think must be protected and maintained. Uh, the values of this country are are, are magnificent. We've gotten rid of the bad ones. We keep the good ones. We'll keep doing that. And we got to push back on the far left psychosis that's destroying everything. But too many people, you look at this, you look at the Marvels, right? I'll I'll do another segment on this um, because the director is speaking out. Biggest Marvel box office bomb yet. The lowest opening. Why get what go broke? We've been saying it for a decade. How many people in the industry said, we're going to we're going to make a diverse cast and, and, and you know, and, you know, smash the patriarchy or whatever. And what happens? Everybody hates it. It fails. 
These ideas are bad ideas. But so many people are so terrified of the left that they just bend their knees to them. Stop doing it. It doesn't mean you're far right. doesn't mean you're a conservative. We had Aaron Matzay on the show. Dude is a leftist who uses the words unhoused to refer to homeless people and is pro-Palestine. And they call him right wing because he opposes foreign intervention in war, despite the fact that he's pro-Palestine. Doesn't matter. He's right wing. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Look at this one. This is Aaron Matze. He confronted, uh, uh, what was it? Was it uh, Chris Coons on a train call, asking him why he did not support a ceasefire? And Coons said, please stop talking to me. You're on a quiet car. They threw Aaron Matze off the train. And I, I, I got to give it to Aaron. He, asking a politician a question, I think is a good thing. Journalists should do this. He's on a quiet car. He was asked to be quiet. He said, okay. He was told to move. He did. They still threw him off the train later. So they shouldn't have done that. To be fair, Chris Coons needs like these people are also bad at PR. It's just it's just also bad. You let me tell you what I'd do. Okay, if I was Chris Coons and a guy sat down in front of me and said, "Why don't you call for a ceasefire?" I'd say, uh, "Who are you? What's your name?" And then Aaron says, "I'm Aaron Matze. I'm a journalist at the Gray Zone." I'd say, "We're in the quiet car. When wh- are you? Where are you getting off? Like, would you want to talk later?" I, I I know it's a cheap political answer, like to not answer questions, but let's not. I don't want to make a scene right here and it's not a good place to do this. Let's talk as we're, we're getting off the train. If we're going to the same place, probably DC, right? And maybe not. Or I would just like, I'd talk to people. If someone came up to me and said, I got questions for you, I'd be like, let's talk. Okay. That's plain and simple. But anyway, I digress. This is what you get. <laughs> this is where we're currently at in terms of the total breakdown. Let me show you a few other things. Filmmakers pull out of Amsterdam festival, condemns Palestine protest from Newsweek. Marvel superhero Sabra. Look at her. She's her costume is the Israeli flag and she's a star of David. She's fighting the Hulk. And the rumor is they're going they're 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 they may be removing her from the next Captain America movie because they're bending the knee to the far left. We then have uh, in the inverse. Anti-Semitism is a symptom of a much deeper crisis, a sign that society itself is breaking down. Dude, People are allowed to criticize Israel, man. <laughs> but, you know, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a constant conflation that criticism of Israel is anti-Semitism. And it's just like, dude, I got no problem saying criticizing Zionism is not criticizing Jews. However, I do not accept that people who are chanting from the river to the sea are simply saying we want equal rights. That's the leftist argument. And the problem is the phrase is used mostly to just mean like the end of the of, of Israel, which, you know, would result in the death of Jews. It's complicated. 
I know everybody says, and that's not what I mean. We don't mean that. You know, Hassan Piker made the argument that from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free is not also saying, and we will wipe out Israel and kill all the Jews. But uh, that's, that's, uh, I'm sorry. That it's just the left lies about so much. If from the river Jordan to the sea, Palestine will be free. They are outright saying they want the return of all of their land and they will accept nothing less. I mentioned this last night. There is no solution here and I don't care to be party to it. And, and yeah, but historically we are, dude, look, we're a new generation and we're going to, we're going to go a different path on this one. My point is there are, there are civilians who live in these areas who have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, they understand the history. I totally get it. Right. The United States is a young country. The Middle East has been around for thousands upon that. These countries and these people have been around for thousands and thousands of years. So they have different traditions. But the idea that you've got a 23 year old who lives in a house who bought the house and moved there. Now we're going to take that house from him to give to somebody else just perpetuates the same crisis. There is no solution. Right. Well, but 70 years ago, these people lost their homes. Okay. well, the dude who's 20 years old was not party to that war and is now living in that home. We can't just keep taking land back and forth. If, if they were to actually remove Israel and then move a bunch of Palestinians back into these, these, these houses and everything, oh, they're illegal settlers in, the southern, in southern Israel and in the West Bank. What happens then is there's going to be a kid who's going to be like, my dad worked really hard and bought a house. He had nothing to do with this war. And then the government came and took that from him. And he's going to hold those resentments. I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying this just perpetuates the, the issue. And then finally, it would be unfair of me to only focus on Hassan and Ethan Klein, we also have this clip with Ben Shapiro. Yes, uh, the, the question is about Candace Owens. I think her behavior during this has been disgraceful. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. I, 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 I can't pause that. Yeah. Absolutely disgraceful. Her faux sophistication on these particular issues has been ridiculous. It's not faux sophistication, it's ridiculous. You know what? I, I tremendously respect uh, Ben Shapiro. Ian Milestrong says condemns disgraceful Candace Owens for her faux sophistication on the issue of Israel. She has been checked on air for getting basic facts wrong. I don't I don't I don't know exactly what that's all about. But you know what I love and respect? The Daily Wire uh, publishes Candace's uh, Candace Owen and Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro is basically the Daily Wire guy. He's a prominent owner. And uh, I, I think it's a good thing that Ben Shapiro is critical of the people he works with. It's insane to me that people are like, oh, Ben and, you know, the other, other people at the Daily Wire are critical of each other. I'm like, that's a good thing. That's why we are where we are. If Ethan Klein was understood who he was aligning himself with and then came out and said, oh, here we go. I know your position. I get it. I I sing a different tune. This is so tepid. Ben Shapiro's criticism of Candace Owens. It does show that there is discord on the right. Totally get it. It's going to happen. I think they're going to move forward. And that's just that. Ethan Klein absolutely cannot align with uh, uh, with Hassan. The, the, The disagreement between Ben and Candace is minor. Her faux sophistication is disgraceful. How dare she? But Candace is not going out and and justifying the killing of babies or anything like this. Cassandra uh, McDonald, nay Fairbanks, who is a friend of mine, a good one of my best friends and works here uh, at Timcast, has been very critical of Israel, very much so. Uh, a lot of friend, friends, with a lot of the anti-war people who are pro-Palestine and uh, absolutely in no way justifying any of these killings the way Hassan does. I know the opinions 
of the people that I work with, some very pro-Israel, some very pro-Palestine. But we all agree the killing of civilians is wrong, and that's what our, our, our goal is to minimize. Then you get Ethan and Hassan, where Hassan says, oh, but the babies are settlers. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> oh this is going to be fascinating. This story is absolutely fascinating. What we're seeing in the culture war is absolutely fascinating. I have no idea what this will mean for the culture war moving forward and what this means for the 2024 election, but it is going to be wild, you know, to see the 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 uh, uh, strange bedfellows, as it were. Yeah, look, man, I will sit down with Aaron Maté, pro-Palestine. I will sit down with Ron Coleman, pro-Israel. We will have whoever on the show and we will talk and we will say what we think. And I argue with Aaron a little bit last night on like school and uh, the Department of Education and Israel-Palestine and, and a bunch of things. And, you know, I, I'll argue what I think and why I think it. And people will tell me I'm wrong or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's what it is. If you watch Tim Guest, then you'll likely see more of this. If the left is willing to come on these shows and have these conversations, then I'll argue with them. But sometimes people here will agree with them. We had I was talking about Ukraine and we had uh, uh, a couple people on the show. I think it might have been Libby. And... Um, and I think it was actual justice warrior. And they were in disagreement with me. Like we just try to have a conversation about these things and figure out and explain what we think and how we feel. I hope that at the very least that puts us in an insulated space where in the long run, people know that watching this show means you will disagree with people on it. Or I should say IRL this is the morning show. You'll disagree with me for sure. And uh, you don't have to agree with me on everything I say. It just it is what it is. I, I, I do. It is sometimes sad, I think to myself, I look at some of these other shows that avoid subjects that may result in uh, negative attention. Like I did a segment yesterday on the Vegas team being beaten to death, and I got like 17% thumbs down, which is high. Normally it's like four. And that means a decent amount of y'all who watch disagree with my take, and then YouTube age restricted it. And so that costs me a lot of money. It's 18 plus only. And I'm like, dude, I saw the video. I was passionate about it. I'm going to talk about it. You know what? I did a segment, UFC erupts for Trump, 300,000 views. Makes me feel good. Makes me feel good. I'm like, I, I like that. I like seeing that there's something of interest. People like what I had to say, wanted to hear my opinions on these things, thought the story was important. And I also really like that when I do a segment on something I care about, it gets age restricted and thumbs down because I want to make sure I, I, there, there's no audience capture here. I am not going to ignore stories that I care about because I think it will, it will be my audience will get mad about it. I know there's a lot of people who do just that. They say, well, you know, it's going to piss off my audience, so I won't talk about it. Well, I'm not going to do that. And I hope what that means is in the long run, it may, may mean a smaller market cap for who I am, but that's not my intention or not my goals to build maximize market cap. It may mean that Timcast is limited in the maximum growth potential. So be it. The only thing I care about is winning the culture war for what I think are important values. And those values are, are, are at the root supportive of so many others. You and I dis may disagree on abortion, but I want, nay, we must, we must defend your right to speak and the understanding of the issues and your position on them because we want to solve problems. And that means if I'm wrong about something, we absolutely have to have a steel man argument and that person come in and argue it to me. I was much more pro cop. And then Michael Malice came in and made a bunch of points. And I said, Michael's right. He's right about this. It's good to have these arguments. And I still think we need police. But I am very critical of urban police departments and the things they've done. And what we saw, for instance, in Maui, undeniable. 
So a lot of people are like, ah, Tim, Tim's a, a, a Milto's fence sitter, doesn't take the positions and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I don't think I know everything. And then when someone comes to me and makes that argument, I'm like, I didn't know that. I get asked about, well, what, what are your thoughts on, on this case? And I'm like, don't know anything about it. I can't remember who, who asked me. Something asked me about Casey Anthony. And I was like, I don't know anything about it. What am I supposed to say? Am I supposed to just blindly agree with one side or the other? Nah. What I can tell you is, yo, Hassan saying that some of the babies are settlers is just it's exactly why that statement right there exemplifies why I am where I am. I lean left on a lot of issues. But yo, you think I would ever stand arm in arm with a guy who says something like that? I'm sorry. No way. Absolutely not. Ethan Klein, the opposite. He was willing to do so. And we keep saying like, dude, don't support these people. They're evil. I'm sorry, dude. Saying that about babies is evil. It just is. I, I, look, that's the world I live in. I hate war. People should not be killed in any circumstance where someone thinks there's a legal or moral justification to go and kill babies. That is that is that is the evil that we must oppose. But anyway, I digress. You get my point in all this, I suppose. It's fascinating to watch. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. You know, people like to say that this show is blackpilled. You know, that there's too much negative news. Well, this story's kind of negative, but I think it's a positive for those of us that want to win the culture war. This past weekend, Donald Trump shows up to Madison Square Garden with Kid Rock and Tucker Carlson, Dana White at UFC. This is New York City, and the arena goes nuts. Everybody is screaming and cheering. Ladies and gentlemen, we're winning the culture war. And I think the woke people absolutely know it. With what's going on now, pertaining to Israel, Palestine and the left's implosion as celebrities abandon the left en masse and prominent left wing podcasts shatter as the left can't seem to agree with liberals on that issue. We are seeing complete and abject failure of the woke ideology. It is crumbling, losing support. And now we have the story of the Marvels. You know, back when Captain Marvel came out, It's an MCU movie. Maybe many of you don't care all that much about Marvel, but let me explain because this matters in the culture war. Many people were critical of Brie Larson. At first, it was kind of neutral. It was like, okay, let's see what this is all about. Many people liked the MCU, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans. People are excited for what's the next phase. They said that Brie Larson would replace Robert Downey Jr. as the tie-in character. You know, with the MCU, Robert Downey Jr. basically is in all the different movies or referenced in some way or appearing in cameos, creating this strong through line arc, right? They said that Brie Larson would be that. And then she started doing press. Insufferable leftist politics spoiled her opportunity to shine. It's her own fault. And for this, people started to really not like her. But when Captain Marvel came out, people pointed out how awful the movie was compared to the rest of the uh, of the Marvel movies. And why? People didn't want to see it. So what happened? Oh, the media sprang into action and claimed it was an anti-woke backlash and review bombs. And the movie was actually really great. No, the movie was actually fairly bad. Now we're learning that the Marvels, the sequel, is the worst Marvel opening ever at $46.1 million. This you know. But we have updates, my friends. Forbes, I love this one. The Marvels faces anti-woke backlash after box office flop, echoing Captain Marvel attacks. 
Now, now, hold on there a minute, good sir. You're actually trying to play this game about anti-woke backlash? Dude, the movie bombed. Nobody wanted to see it. The people involved failed. Get woke, go broke. And this is the narrative they're going for. But here's my favorite part in all of this. As we watch the billion dollar breakdown that is Disney's failures pertaining to their attempts at wokeness, they are now claiming the Marvels is the number one movie in the world. And for this, they're accused of being liars. Well, I got news for everybody. Their metric is technically correct. The best kind of correct, I say. Marvel is accused of lying after claiming that the new film, The Marvels, is the number one movie in the world, despite box office bomb making just $47 million, the lowest MCU opening of all time. And there you have it, my friends. There you have it. We got the numbers. I'll go through the numbers. And then I want to talk to you about um, the collapse. Right now, according to Rotten Tomatoes, it is the critics saying the movie is bad. But hold on. What happened? It used to be that if the critics said it was bad and the audience said it was good, then it must be good. And so there's a lot of movies like this. There's that one with Bruce Willis. I can't remember what it was, what it's called, but you guys probably know what I'm talking about, where it's like a dad who gets revenge on these killers and all the critics hated it. It got like a zero, but all the fans loved it. Yeah, it was a popcorn flick with Bruce Willis fighting the bad guys. It was fun and entertaining. But now it's the inverse. The critics are saying the Marvels, that Marvels is bad and the fans are actually saying it was good. But you know what? Don't know don't care. The attempt by Disney to wokeify has failed and good riddance. And now what are we hearing? Oh, here we go. The director is saying, you got a problem with my movie being too woke. That's right. Once again, it's another one of these. If you don't like my politics, don't watch the movie. Okay, we won't. We won't do it. They've said it over and over again. There's this viral clip where this woman is like, She's a comic book uh, uh, executive or something. And she's like, if you don't like the politics in my books, don't buy them. And the next clip is her going, we are seeing an absolute collapse in sales. Numbers that used to get comic books canceled are now considered successes. They have gutted and destroyed all of this. And you know what their goal is? What they want is the collapse of our culture. But guess what? You can't do it. You can't shut us down. Why? Because we like things. And we're going to make those things if you stop. And that is why we are winning the culture war. Here's the article from Forbes. Let's read through it and see what's going on. The Marvels, the newest installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, had the franchise's worst ever opening weekend at the box office. And right wing critics are using its poor performance to criticize the profitability of female led movies. You see what they're doing? I love it. Years after lead actress Brie Larson faced attacks for her prior film, Captain Marvel. I just, I don't understand why Gal Gadot didn't get attacked mercilessly for being a woman playing Wonder Woman. How about that? The Marvels, which stars three women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Let's, let's jump down to the article. Okay. Popular right-wing X account and wokeness, which frequently criticizes woke media to its 1.8 million followers, posted a screenshot of an article announcing Marvel would focus on diversity and inclusion juxtaposed a screenshot of the Marvel's poor box office. Every single time, the post states, get woke, go broke, right wing pundit Tim Pool posted to his 1.8 million X followers alongside a screenshot of a deadline article about the film's box office underperformance. Am I wrong? <laughs> right wing pundit. What does that mean? Right wing. Here we go. There's more. YouTube personality nerd Roddick 
who often lambasts woke films to his nearly 900,000 subscribers, garnered almost 1 million views in under 24 hours on a video titled The Marvels is Awful, in which he criticizes Disney's push for representation and refers to the MCU as the MCU. In a reaction video to the Marvels trailer, conservative pundit Ben Shapiro called the film woke garbage and criticized Larson's Captain Marvel as one of the worst superhero characters ever. Agreed. Here we go. You guys ready for this one? The moment you have all been waiting for. Film consultant David A. Gross told the New York Times that female powered entertainment is enjoying extraordinary success right now, but audiences are not embracing these stories. Oh, you love to hear it. Let me repeat that quote for you. And then I ask, how many of you caught that? I guess you all did. Female powered entertainment is enjoying extraordinary success and nobody likes it. Dude, what does he mean by success? Executives are dumping money into garbage stories with with a-hole actresses that nobody wants to watch and the movies flounder and fail. That's success. Dude, audience are not embracing these stories. Sounds like that's not success to me. But here's where we are. Marvel is accused of lying. Look at this ad. The Marvels have arrived. Don't miss the number one movie in the world now playing in theaters everywhere. Oh, man. You know, Brie Larson was such a nasty and insufferable person and cruel and vindictive. So it's it's schadenfreude for so many people to see this. She is not a likable personality. I feel kind of bad, but it's her own making. She embraced the intersectional woke garbage and went ham on it. And then she started doing these promo events where she was just snooty and unlikable. This is what they get. I don't put the full blame on Brie Larson. I don't really care. I thought she was great in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. She's saying that metric cover of Black Sheep. It's great. But this is what happens. Robert Downey Jr., a white male, plays the main character of the MCU. Iron Man, of all people. They never thought he was going to be the most popular guy. Spider-Man is like the most profitable uh, superhero franchise. But so they went with Iron Man and it worked. Why? RDJ is good at what he does. He's good at what he does. And this is where we end up. In an attempt to be diverse, they say, you know, as Robert Downey Jr. exits, we're going to bring in Brie Larson. We're going to have a strong lady character. And what's her arc? Her arc is that her powers are gifted to her by accident. And then a man suppresses her powers and tells her to control her emotions. She robs people and then finally realizes she was always strong and didn't need to be held back by a man. And it's just like, dude, that girl boss stuff is not relatable to the average person. They keep trying to push this woke garbage. Ain't nobody wants to watch that. Wonder Woman is very different. Of course, she always had the power. This is where it's really funny. The story of Wonder Woman is that she's trying to find the god killer, the weapon. She thinks it's the sword. And then it turns out it's not the sword. It was her the whole time. She was created by the gods as a weapon to defeat other gods. But guess what? Gal Gadot is charming and likable, and her character arc was good, realizing that the power was her the whole time. You see how they try to do this, but they do it poorly? When you have a motherly character who is likable, then people are like, I like that story. Contrasted with the more masculine war happens, I thought Wonder Woman was fantastic. Here we go. Look at this. Definitely not the number one movie. One person said, Number one movie in the world doesn't mean I can sue you guys for false advertising. Uh, I got news for everybody. According to the numbers.com, the number one movie in the country is, in fact, The Marvels with $46.1 million gross, 
five night at five nights at Freddy's comes in at number two. But hold on there a minute, my friends. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Sure, we can look at the daily numbers and see that for Sunday, the Marvels was number one. And for the weekend, Marvels was number one. The real issue is there was no other release. They chose to release the Marvels knowing they would compete with no one else. So when the movie bombed and they knew it was going to bomb, they could claim we're number one. It's so great. I love saying that um, <clears throat> that Tim cast uh, music. We had songs that beat Taylor Swift. Now, what does that really mean? On iTunes sales, briefly, when we launched one of our songs, I think it was um, Genocide, we were ahead of Taylor Swift. And everyone's like, wow, congratulations. And then like 12 hours later, she took the spot back and maintained it and we couldn't beat her. It was the initial announcement, a big burst that puts us above and then we fall back down, whereas she has a massive amount of sustained fans who, are keep, who keep buying her song. But we can say it, right? Well, congratulations to Marvel for being number one. That being said, in terms of the worldwide gross for 2023, Marvel's ain't anywhere near the top. So sure, let them say number one. Let them say it. And of course, what you've all been waiting for, comicbookmovie.com, the Marvel's director, Nia DaCosta, responds to those who believe MCU sequel is too woke. Ah, yes, here we are. The Marvel's hasn't had a super weekend at the box office, and there are plenty of people reveling in the woke sequels box office struggles. Now, filmmaker Nia DaCosta has chimed in. Woke appears to be the word of the moment right now with any movie or TV show that doesn't conform to certain standard often given that label. It's hardly a surprise that then at the Marvels, a movie with three female leaves leads, two of whom are people of color, is coming under attack. <clears throat> Some have been rooting for it to fail since before the first trailer even dropped. And back in 2019, Rotten Tomatoes even had to change its policy to stop trolls from review bombing Captain Marvel. You see the stupid game these people play? People watched Captain Marvel and said, I don't like it. Negative review. And they said, we better get rid of that because people don't like this movie. Psychotic ideologues. Talking to Variety shortly before the Marvel's touchdown in theaters, director Nia DaCosta was asked about the negativity surrounding the sequel, saying, Explaining that she's been familiar with the negative and toxic sides of fandom because she's been a big old fan of nerdy-ish for a long time, she said, there are pockets where you go because you're like, I'm a super fan. I want to exist in the space of just adoration, which includes civilized critique. Then there are pockets that are really virulent and violent and racist and sexist and homophobic and all those awful things. Keep trying. Keep trying. Keep saying these things over and over to yourself as you rock back and forth in the corner of your padded room, lying to yourself for now a decade. Ladies and gentlemen, you may not know this, but I'm actually, I come from a mixed race background, part Asian, as it were. Ah, yes. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Not once have I ever cared about a diverse cast of characters. I literally do not care. But let me tell you this. When you create movies that claim to be diversity, like Black Panther, but it's 90% black cast members. We roll our eyes at your ideological nonsense. Look, if you take a look at, say, like Avengers Infinity War, did we call that a, a triumph of diversity? Well, I mean, there's a black character in it. There's female characters in it. There's female characters of color. There's even female aliens in it. Nobody came out and cheered for diversity. You see, the issue is Whenever they claim it's, it's a diverse film with a diverse cast, what they're really saying is the storyline will suck and we all know it. 
Now, the last thing I care about with the Marvels is that they have what is effectively. Look, oh, man, it is just so mind numbingly stupid. Instead of just having like a main character, they have three, a white woman, a black woman and a Middle Eastern woman. It's like, dude, we get what you're doing. And the villain is a black woman. People don't trust it anymore. And that's a damn shame. It really is. It shouldn't matter if the main character is a female or otherwise. I thought Black Widow was kind of hokey, but I enjoy seeing Scarlett Johansson play, play this role. The problem with the Black Widow movie is that it feel, it's like a black sheep of the MCU. It was out of place, out of the timeline. I don't know what it was all about. It was whatever, but it was fine for the most part. It had some corny scenes in it, but you know, it's like whatever. Ain't nobody complained about Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow. Like she's been a great character in the MCU for a long time. And people were like, it's about time she got a movie. A lot of people say it like feels too old school or whatever, but I tell you this right now, the MCU is collapsing, okay? It's it's garbled nonsense and it's in free fall. And when they make garbage movies that people don't want to watch, their response is always, it must be that they're racists, dude. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to build our own culture. She says, and I choose the side of the light. That's the part of fandom I'm most attracted to. She went on to say, that's my first time I realized those lines are strong <clears throat> in reference to. OK, well, she says in the same interview, she was asked if it was a deliberate decision to include the Beastie Boys hit intergalactic in the trailers because it includes the line. Well, now, well, now, don't you tell me to smile. Many deem that a response to the chatter surrounding Captain Marvel She says it wasn't that deep. It's the first time I realized the lines are in the song. I cannot say that was on purpose on my part. Sorry to be disappointing. And uh, and now it's 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 in it's in free fall. Mm. You love to see it. You love to see it. Bombs with the lowest MCU box office debut. Now, interestingly, Tomato Meter's got it at 61. Audience score is at 84. But you know why the audience score is at 84? Nobody saw it. I'm, I can't review it. You see, this is the lie about the review bombing. They said that people were review bombing the film. They were giving it negative reviews for no reason other than it was politics. Lies. They went and saw the Mar Captain Marvel. And they said, this movie is bad. I will tell you this right now. I went and saw it and I said it was bad. I remember that. Wow. I remember that day when I went to go see it. We used to be so hyped and excited for all the new Marvel movers that were, that were coming out. And you get these people that are like, be a, stop being a child. Be a man. Don't watch Marvel movies, dude. It's American culture. We have things we grew up watching and we like stories that inspired us to be better people. And we want the same thing for our kids. It's not about me saying, I want to watch a superhero film. It's about me saying, what are we giving to the future generations and to our children? And why are they so dejected, aimless and angry? So here's what happens. Uh, let me tell you a story. <clears throat> uh, I remember watching Pirates of the Caribbean. What a great movie. It's, 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 it's a modern masterpiece. Really is great and entertaining. You best start believing in ghost stories, Missy. You're in one. And so many great lines and memes, right? And then they announced a sequel. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. When At World's End came out, it got made even more money than the first one. Why? I didn't go see the first movie in theaters. I saw it at a friend's house. Oh, so long ago. Takes me back. And uh, I didn't care to see it in theaters. I wasn't paying attention. When I saw it at my friend's, I was like, whoa, that was awesome. So when the next movie came out, I absolutely went to go see it in theaters. They then said it was better than the first. Why? The money proved it. And I was like, wait, 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 hold on. That movie sucked. <laughs> I hated it. It was hokey. No strong storyline and no ending. 
I was very disappointed. But you see, everybody liked the first movie so much, they went and saw the next one. Let me tell you about the Marvels. Everyone hated the first one so much, they didn't go and see the next one. And so the people who gave it a negative review saying, I went and saw it, and it sucked, didn't watch it and aren't reviewing it. So now it is only the people left who liked the first one to review the second one. Talk about absolute failure. And now we have this. Captain America 4 delay raises questions about movies Israeli superhero. That's right. This one's absolutely hilarious. So uh, here's Sabra. It's just like she's like lady. She's like Captain Israel, basically. (laughs) Her costume is the Israeli flag with the Star of David on it. You know, come on. I like Captain America's already a bit hokey. Here we go. They're pushing back the date on Captain America uh, for some reason. And many people are speculating it's because they need to get rid of this Captain Israel lady. Sure. Whatever. I don't know. They say on October 7th, Palestinian group Hamas launched attack. We get it. According to the AP, at least 1,400 people have been killed. We get it. We get it. We know that story. First appearing in the Credible Hulk comic book series in 1980, Sabra is a mutant with super strength and speed who works for Mossad, the real life Israeli secret service agency. <clears throat> her name is Ruth Bat Saraf, while her superhero title translates to a person born in Israel. Early iterations of Sabra. One of the lesser known characters shows her wearing the basically the Israeli flag. She's also uh, Sabra also regularly fought comic characters that portrayed offensive Arabic stereotypes, such as Arabian Knight, who controlled the magic carpet. (laughs) Yo, wow. The Sabra character, when juxtaposed with Captain America, unavoidably amplifies nationalist and political ideologies and convictions and could inadvertently exacerbate tensions in the Middle East. Deepak Sarma, professor of uh, at the College of Arts and Sciences, in Cleveland, previously told Newsweek. So after the reports of the delay, many, many people are, are claiming that it is likely because of Sabra, they are going to push this back. Shira Haas in 2021, Israeli actress, was cast to play Sabra in Brave New World. People were saying that Captain America Brave New World was 99% done, and they're pushing it to 2025, a year and a half. I bet Marvel is removing the Sabra character from the movie good. You see, they're going to fail. Let them play this game and let them fail. I'm more than happy to see it. This story, my friends, I should have said this in the beginning. This is part of the woke boycott we've seen. People don't want to buy Bud Light. People don't want to shop at Target. And people don't want to go see the Marvels. We are winning. Download Public Square. Support businesses that support your values. And guess what? We're watching it in real time. People aren't spending money on woke garbage. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Matt Gates for the amazing work he has done in Congress. I think what we are seeing with Rep. Matt Gates is a politician who is not beholden to corporations and lobbyists. He's beholden to you, the small donor, the American public, and it is glorious. Rep. Tim Burchett accuses bully Kevin McCarthy of attacking him in the Capitol hallway. Yo, we have an NPR reporter saying they witnessed Kevin McCarthy attack another rep who voted against him. The machine is freaking out and you love to see it. I don't like Republicans. I don't like Democrats. I don't really like libertarians either. I don't like anybody. 
All politics is garbage. However, there's a handful of people that I do like. I love seeing the aftermath of the lobby machine, omnibus garbage, whinging and cowering and having a temper tantrum. Oh, Kevin McCarthy, poor baby. It feels so good. My friends, I hope you revel in the schadenfreude that is Kevin McCarthy's epic breakdown. The New York Post reports, former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy was accused Tuesday of elbowing one of the eight Republicans who voted to strip him of the gavel last month. Rep Tim Burchett told CNN that McCarthy hit him with a clean shot to the kidneys. (laughs) Woo! As the former speaker walked past Burchett following a House Republican conference meeting, criminal charges, lock him up, impeach Kevin McCarthy, send him to jail. I don't know how how much jail time you get. You might get like 48 hours or something for elbowing someone in the back, right? But check it out. Here's this tweet. This is from Claudia Grisales, who on Twitter says a congressional reporter for NPR and a member of a bunch of other stuff. She's got an NPR email address here. I, I, this is amazing. NPR reporter, according to her profile, Claudia Grisales says, have never seen this on Capitol Hill. While talking to Rep Tim Burchett after the GOP conference meeting, former Speaker McCarthy walked by with his detail and McCarthy shoved Burchett. Burchett lunged towards me. I thought it was a joke. It was not. And a chase ensued. <laughs> Burchett's back was to McCarthy as his detail was walking by. Then the lunge. Burchett responded jokingly as McCarthy kept walking. Sorry, Kevin didn't mean to elbow. Then said, why did you elbow me in the back, Kevin? Hey, Kevin, you got any guts? Burchett then looked back at me and said, jerk, referring to McCarthy, and then said, no. Or I, I asked if he had done it before. He says, no. That's when the chase ensued. Burchett took off after McCarthy and his detail. I chased behind with my mic. Tim Burchett yelled after catching up to McCarthy. Hey, Kevin, why'd you walk behind me and elbow me in the back? McCarthy says, I didn't elbow you in the back. You got no guts. You did so, the reporter said right there. Hold on. This reporter for NPR says she saw it happen. <laughs> we got two witnesses. Kevin McCarthy's losing it. You got no guts. You did so. Burchett starts to walk away from McCarthy, tells me what a jerk, and then yells back, you need security, Kevin. Burchett tells me that's the first point of communication with McCarthy since Burchett voted for McCarthy's ouster as speaker last month. That's just it. He's a jerk. He's just a childish little. Did you see that? He asked in disbelief. I'm stunned. I'm stunned, too. Says he won't follow up with McCarthy on what just happened. He's on a downhill spiral. He just that was pretty gutless of him. I'm disappointed in his in him. Burchett re- it reiterates he hasn't talked to McCarthy since he voted against him. No, no, that was it. That's it. He got 17 million dollars to work against me. And he's just a he should have kept his word. I think that just showed what he's a, what he's about. And it's unfortunate absolutely amazing. This is this. It's funny because uh, they're reporting it like he's claiming this when you have this other reporter saying she saw it happen. Man. Here we go. Justin Hart says, so Mike Davis, who has been hinted at uh, hinted as the nominee of AG should Trump regain, regain his throne, just posted these two tweets last night. Are there any adults left in Magadonia? I'm loving each and each and every one of these posts, all of these stories. Mike Davis says, 
Here's my pick to run the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And it is <laughs> it's the lectern guy. <laughs> oh, man. And then we have the other one. Here's my pick to run the Federal Bureau of Prisons. And it is the QAnon shaman. Listen, I know they're 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 somewhat different. They're somewhat different. But these, this is winning, winning, winning. Kevin McCarthy has a temper tantrum and physically attacks a guy. I want to see him arrested. <clears throat> you can't do that. Where's the decorum here, Kevin? The machine. You know what Matt Gates said? He said that Kevin McCarthy raises like a billion dollars through, you know, basically make it's, it's these promises. Here's, what, here's, here's how it goes. You support me for speaker. You get me in. Give me the money. And then uh, I'll, I'll give you favors. I'll make sure you get the funding you need. Kevin McCarthy is betting on this. And what they do is they go to these other members of Congress and say, whatever amount of money you need to raise to win your election, if you defy us, we will campaign against you with tenfold that amount. We've seen it over and over again. The establishment Republicans basically say you fall in line or we will destroy you. Now we're starting to see pushback. You know why? Matt Gates doesn't need your money. They tried to primary Matt Gates. They can't beat him because he's beholden to the people, not the machine. And this is the change we need. Direct funding from the people. Good. I'm glad to see it. And now you can see how the machine reacts. The funny thing is, how's uh, Kevin going to pay back all those IOUs? That's probably why he's freaking out. Why he's shoving a guy. He probably cries himself to sleep at night knowing he's on the hook for a lot of money he can't pay back. I wonder what those lobbyists and corporations are going to say to him right now. Like, Kevin, we want that money back. You got to get us that money. That's not how the game works, baby. You don't just get free money. But now he has no control, which means even his plans all in a spiral. New Speaker Mike Johnson formally endorses Donald Trump. A step beyond predecessor Kevin McCarthy. And here we go, baby. Look, I don't care ultimately how the Republican Party plays out. I'd like to see these victories, but I don't know. I don't know for sure, man. Right. All I can tell you is we are seeing small victories. And if the end of this is the Democrats implode over Israel, Palestine, the Republicans implode over Gates and the Trump stuff. So be it. We'll all vote for the Mises caucus, I guess. But it is it is absolutely uh, absolute schadenfreude to see the whinging and the and the people losing their minds as Donald Trump inches closer towards victory in one year, in one year's time. I don't know that Trump will do everything we want him to do. I don't know that'll be a perfect presidency. The only thing I can guarantee is this. The machine is crying and shaking in their boots at the thought that they will lose control and they are losing control. I cannot believe that I am sitting here right now. Just this news is coming out. Kevin McCarthy attacked a guy. Wow. Okay. well, the last thing we want is for this to escalate. So please, no escalations to canings. This won't go in a in a good direction, should that be the case. But consider this. If we're getting to the point where someone like Kevin Kevin McCarthy is going to actually commit a crime against another rep. Are we inching towards that civil war moment? I suppose the issue is. Back in the day, the caning was between a Democrat and a Republican, and now it's two Republicans that are fighting. That's unsurprising. The Republicans are almost all unified against Democrats, Democrats all against Republicans. So the civil wars are happening internally in their party. And this breakdown, I don't know what it'll lead to. 
I don't know what to expect, and I don't know how it will play out next year, but oh boy, have things gotten wild. It seemed like the path we were on was the path we would stay on, but not so much these days. And that's what I said. I, I always try to preface this when people ask me like, you know, about Donald Trump winning. I said, look, if nothing changes, Trump wins. If the election is held today, Trump wins. However, then you get the Israel stuff and the left imploding. Now you're getting the Kevin McCarthy stuff and, and the right. I don't want to say the right's imploding more so that MAGA is winning and the machine is losing. Work on the card game. We are working on the card game. It's called Debate Me. And uh, there are four factions, left, right, center. And what's the last faction? Establishment. And that's McCarthy. This is McCarthy as the establishment upset at the right. And so uh, we, got, we got stuff to announce with this card game. It's, 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 it's super simple, super easy game to play. Anyone can just pick it up and play it. It's good fun for the whole family. And we want to make a party game that's very, very easy for the average person to play. You'll get it when we, uh, when we release it, which may be actually pretty soon. But anyway, my point is this. That's the fourth faction in the culture war. It's left, right, and center. And then there's the establishment. The establishment is not left, right, or center. They are corporate shills that want power. And this is how they react to losing. Good fun. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I talked about this clip in an earlier segment, but I want to give it its own space. Ben Shapiro calls Candace Owens' behavior disgraceful. And a lot of people are now saying, trouble in paradise. The Daily Wire are all fighting amongst themselves. And you know what I say? I say, oh, I respect it. I think it's fine that Ben Shapiro is going to argue with Candace Owens. I don't think this will abruptly end their business relationship. That's just about it. And it's not even the first time Candace Owens has been at odds with people the Daily, uh, at her, with her colleagues, the Daily Wire. So it is what it is. It is not entirely the same as someone like Ethan Klein uh, threatening to cancel the, uh, his show or walk off the show because the left is calling him a Zionist pig or something like this. This is a bit different. But first, I think we have the, uh, the clip here of Ben Shapiro. I want to play for you so you can hear what Ben Shapiro says of uh, Candace Owens. And then I'm going to play for you what Candace Owens says. And you decide who is disgraceful. Uh, what do we got? Here we go. Candace Owens. I think her behavior during this has been disgraceful. Without a doubt. I can't go with Here's here's what I will say of Ben Shapiro when he says she's she's being disgraceful and it's faux sophistication, etc., etc. If uh, uh, you're not getting a lot of uh, ideas, like what's faux? Like what are you talking about, Ben? What are you talking about? Uh, I think that if you were to ask Ben to elaborate, he would do just that and he would give you a well thought out and logical answer. That's Ben. So there, there were some people who were asking, like, you know, Ben said this, but like he's ignoring these things. Like he says, Vivek Ramaswamy has no plans. There's someone asked us last night on the IRL members only that uh, Vivek has no has no uh, plans, even though he does and says his plans. I'm like, well, if Ben's opinion is that Vivek's plans are not feasible, then he's just simplifying it by saying he has no plans. I genuinely believe if you say, Ben, what do you mean? Like elaborate on what Candace Owens is saying that you find to be disgraceful, he will absolutely break it down for you. He's not a stupid guy, okay? However, many people are wondering what is disgraceful and what did Candace Owens actually say? In this clip from her show, 
Candace Owens breaks down her position on Israel, and uh, I give it to you now. There are a lot yeah. of people in America that are sitting here going, okay, well, can you answer why Jews are so special? Because as white people in this country on, on university campuses, we are being taught that we are not allowed to have a voice. We have had to endure exactly what you're talking about, BLM. We've endured much worse than you have because it's in the actual textbooks. We are being told that we are systematically racist, that we are born wrong because of the color of our skin. And if we say mm -hmm. anything, we'll lose everything. This is the typical experience on white campuses. So people, this is not what about us. And this is like actually what we have been fighting for years. So it sort mm -hmm. of arrived as I think for a lot of Americans, a surprise when they're saying, well, now that it's about Israel, which is something that's overseas, we need to you know, hand these university professors, we need to do something about this issue. Why weren't we trying to correct course on this issue? Why weren't donors pulling their funding out of these universities? Why weren't these same things being said for these last, I would say eight years of rampant BLM, white man can't do anything right actively being taught in the classrooms. So there are people that are asking that question now. What I have said is that explicit calls for genocide, which was stunning to me to see that in, mm. in, in Congress, are completely wrong. It is com frankly crazy. I have not weighed in on the IDF's response in the same way that I, I have consistently said through every war, Ukraine and Russia, I don't want to be involved. I have said I don't want to be involved in Israel and Palestine, all these conflicts. My consistency seems to offend people, right? But I haven't made a single tweet or a single comment on IDF's response in Palestine. I haven't said a single thing about that. I have said it is okay. always sad when a child dies. And the lack of humanity that I have seen from both sides has been very troubling for me. But well, to say if, that if I have to weigh in and suddenly be, be, you know, wave an Israeli flag and say things that, you know, be, because you decide that you get to use my platform because it's personal to you, how is that fair to people? I... I think Candace Owens is great. I, I, I completely agree with her, right? So here's the issue. Candace says, first, we've got universities in the United States that are teaching people that white people are bad, okay? That's something directly right here at home. So a lot of people are saying it's anti-Semitic or you're crit critical of Jews and all these things uh, uh, when, it pertain when it comes to Israel. Outside of any political, uh, political argument on morality between Israel and Palestine, the point is, I think, I think the point that Candace is making is that why aren't we more concerned about the absolute racism here in our universities? OK, that's her point. Like, I'm more concerned with that. I think I can't speak for Candace. I don't know what she's saying. My attitude is care about whatever you want to care about, man. You're allowed to do it. Um, I understand and respect Ben Shapiro's position, considering that he's got family there. It's like directly affecting him. That's his world. That's why he believes it. Well, OK, I will argue where I think he's wrong when I think he's wrong. I've said this before. Ben said, if the U.S. does not intervene, it could lead to an escalating conflict that results in Israel using nuclear weapons, which could potentially destroy the world. The, the, the issue being, if Israel says, I will not be destroyed, we will not be destroyed, and then retaliates with an escalation of force, it one by one pulls in a bunch of other countries, destabilizing the region and then the planet. My argument is I think the U.S. getting involved actually does that specifically. So I don't know if there's a good answer there. But, you know, I got no problem saying I disagree where I disagree. But Candace Owens makes another really great point. I'm right here with her. I got to be honest. I've said something similar. I don't want to be involved in Ukraine. I don't want to be involved in Israel. The U.S. should secure its borders, bring back jobs, start working on repairing its culture and focus on America first. 
and they say, oh, that's racist. America first. Shut up. I don't care. You, you're not going to explain to me why I have why I'm paying so much in taxes. And I do for war. And you, too. You know, I got to tell you, there was this football player who posted his uh, pay per game, like how much money he gets every game he plays. And it was like 300 grand. And he gives like 150 of it to the government. Yep. Yeah. People need to understand the amount of money that you pay in taxes, the higher brackets is insane. Don't get me wrong. You know, when you're rich, you're rich and you worry less about it. But it still is crazy to see how much money you give to the government for this war. Candace says, I didn't comment on Israel's reaction or anything like that. I feel like I'm in I'm in a similar position. I'm not sitting here saying like Israel is committing genocide, blah, blah, blah. It's bad. And Hamas did this. I'm mostly, you know, critical of Hamas and more defensive of Israel while still recognizing, dude, this could escalate into something very, very dangerous. I'm not going to get into the morality of war, right? My, My position is basically just because Israel is more powerful doesn't make them immoral or wrong. When people, the, the amount of people who die doesn't mean anything of, in and of itself. The left, I, I get these leftists to make this argument. They're like, Israel has killed more people than Gaza. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like when, how, why, why do people die? Because you're not going to come to me and say that like a mass shooter was killed and then complain the police killed a guy. It's like, wait, wait hold on. Like the mass shooter was killing people. And that's the argument. Hamas kills a bunch of people. And then what happens is Israel will kill a bunch of these Hamas guys. And then you'll hear leftists say 10 people were just killed in an airstrike. Well, hold on, hold on. We're talking about civilians. We're talking about kids. That matters. You can't just throw numbers at me. I don't like what's happening. I don't like what Hamas does. I don't like the the bombing of, of residential areas for the sake of getting Hamas targets, which kills civilians. But you know what, man? I got a much simpler answer for you. I ain't Israel. I am but a humble dude in the United States complaining on the internet. I don't know why. I mean, no, 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 I I get it. I get what the government is doing. I get what the deep state is doing. I get why they fund this, but I don't want to be. And I don't think you want to be either. And I think that's Candace Owens's point. Now, Ben Shapiro says that what what she said is absolutely disgraceful and it's faux sophistication. I think he's probably more referring to uh, calling what's going on a genocide. Uh, or saying that someone called for genocide. I'm like, that's that's like it's it's so such a bold and powerful statement. But there there was someone in Congress who basically talked about just wiping out uh, a Gaza. Look, man. It really comes down to this. Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens debating and arguing is one of the best possible things for the Daily Wire. It shows a diversity of opinions within the company. It creates a massive press cycle cycle for the Daily Wire. It generates attention and uh that's just it. Healthy debate and, and criticism between their personalities ultimately benefits the brand tremendously. The people who are pro-Israel are going to be like, Ben's the man, and I want to watch Ben Shapiro. And the people who don't like uh, uh, Ben Shapiro and are America first are going to be like, Candace, Owens. you see what the Daily Wire does? This is called winning. No, I mean it. If the purpose of everything we do is so that people have the right to express their opinions. That means Ben has every right to criticize Candace Owens and Candace Owens has every right to make the statements she's making that Ben doesn't like. And the Daily Wire will benefit from it. And I hope they do. Similarly here, you know, it's really funny, like people are critical of some of the people who work here at Timcast who are, you know, critical of Israel. I talk about Cassandra quite a bit because she tweets up a lot. And I'm like, "Eh, well, she has her opinions, man. Go for it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Of course, 
No one's freaking out being like, you know, Cassandra Fairbanks is tweeting. I guess it's because I'm not like Ben. I'm not as uh, uh, zealous as it pertains to like uh, to Israel or whatever. I'm mostly just America first, freedom, liberty, pursuit of happiness and all of these things. So I'm, I'm not going to get into a fight with anybody. And usually when it does, I, 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 I choose my battles, right? If anybody here at the company was saying things that I thought were egregious or, or disgraceful, I would just go to them and say, like, here's what I think. What do you think? It's happened before. No one's gotten fired over it. We've had people post stuff and I'm like, I think it was tactless. I think you can do better. And here are the issues with what you posted. But, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you what to post. We do not have a policy here at Timcast restricting uh, our employees from what they can or cannot say. That's just it. And to our own detriment, you know what I mean? It is what it is. I'll be critical of whoever I want to be critical of. There are people who tell me not to criticize certain people because maybe they won't come on the show. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry, man. It's never going to happen. If someone's acting a fool and I get passionate and I say something about them, they don't have to come on the show. It is what it is. I, I, I'll say, I said it before. I'll say it again. I got no problem. Get in my van and go and living down by the river. If people don't want to talk to me because I'm critical of them, so be it. Let's have real conversations. Let's address what's really going on. I got no beef. You know, I respect Ben Shapiro's position. Uh, I don't agree with it for, to a great degree. I'm sure we actually agree on, uh, on some of it. I don't want to speak because I, I, I've not actually had an in-depth conversation with him about it. But what Candace Owen says right here, I actually agree with completely. So, hey, it is what it is. Shout out to the Daily Wire crew. I'm a big fan. I think they do great work. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Pearly Things, H. Pearl Davis and Lauren Chen recently got into it on Twitter. I shouldn't say got into it. They had a, they had a debate back and forth. It was rather calm but interesting, and I think it's worth discussing. I saw this tweet from uh, today, H. Pearl Davis saying, have you ever heard the key to a happy relationship is sex, silence, and sandwiches? No, because typically relationships are cantered around what women want. That's why you had all these chicks freaking out over date nights. They reveal themselves. It's all about what she wants. And then we have this tweet here. All right, here we go. Here we go. H. Pearl Davis tweeted, do men wake up and think, wow. I just wish I could have some more quality time with my woman today. No, be real. They want sex, silence, and a sandwich. Well, my friends, uh, I, I don't really eat bread. Um, not a big fan of the carbohydrates. So I would actually prefer maybe, um, you know what I like doing? Fry cheese. Take some cheese. Put it in a, Okay, you take a pan. Get some butter in it. Get it nice and hot. Then you throw the cheese on top. Let that cheese crisp into a cheesy keto tortilla. It's not a real tortilla, but you get my point. Then you put some beef in it, a little sour cream and guacamole. Bang, all the good fats, none of the carbs. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I want. Oh, wait. Um, actually, my girlfriend does make that for me. I'm better at making the fried cheese, though. But uh, this is the point. Bethany Mandel says she is so sad. What a deeply broken soul. And Pearl responds, it is actually not sad that men like sex, silence, and sandwiches, all quite easy things to do. The ultimate argument here is whether or not married couples benefit from date night. Thus, the debate. I'd like to just say, uh, I, I just like to just, I just say this first and foremost. Uh, you know, uh, Pearl Davis's opinion is that, and I, I don't want to be unfair here, but it seems to be that guys who disagree with her are low T and have a feminine perspective. 
And I'm just like, ah, no, dude, lady, uh, I'm sorry. OK, you have your opinions. I'm not going to argue the science and stuff. You want to pull up the data and the facts? Feel free to do so. I'm just going to tell you this. People be different, yo. And it may be that over overwhelmingly, Pearl is right about many things based on looking at data and research and making these points. I can respect that totally. But I think it's fair to point out, and I don't think she's not saying this, but everybody's different. And I want to I want to say this before I read you the thread between her and Lauren Chen and talk about date night and success and marriages and men's rights and all of this stuff. Uh, I absolutely do wake up and think, what can I do with my girlfriend today? Uh, she's like basically the only person I hang out with or wants to hang out with. And, uh, you know, personal relationship stuff aside, don't bother asking questions. It's private. And I'm dealing with, uh, you know, we're doing our own family thing and we'll f- we'll figure it out. But it's none of your business what we're what we're working on, if you know what I mean. My point is date night. I don't hang out with anybody else. Sometimes we'll we invite friends to go get food with us. But typically it's like I wrap up my morning show and then we hang out and that's all we do. And on the weekends we hang out. And this past weekend we went hiking and then we got lunch and then we went and played poker together and it was fun and I really enjoy it. So uh, sex, silence and sandwiches, just kind of boring for me. I like mental stimulation and I like having someone around who makes it so that you know, we, we can do things together. Here, here's what I'm saying. Just accomplishing goal doesn't mean all that much, right? Of course, it feels good when I land that skateboard trick, but I really like being around other people so I can feed off their energy. They try trick and succeed. I try trick. I like hanging out with people because the human experience is all that matters. I don't care. Like, you know, walking around in the woods is fine and all, but it's really the people I'm with that make it worth something. So I like doing things with other people. And there is one person in particular that I'm only really interested in being with when I do these things. It's satisfactory. That's just me. So uh, date night. I mean, we every weekend is date weekend for us. She says, how many times maximum a month is acceptable to get a babysitter for a wife and mother? Now, fair point. This is specifically referring to uh, kids. And 57% say one to two times. Lauren Jen responds, husbands and wives should make time for date nights. And time alone together, even with young kids, weekly is ideal, but not always feasible. And uh, motherhood ministry responded, I think date nights are a new phenomenon promoted a lot in churches, and I don't believe they are helpful to the overall success of a marriage. Marriages have been working for thousands of years before date night. It's more important to share common values and principles. I, I mostly agree with that, but like date night as a special thing is meaningless to me. Okay, fine. Like don't have kids. I get it. But the idea of date night is just like you go do stuff. You know, I don't know. Sometimes you as adults need to go do things. And sometimes it's not appropriate for children to be at these things. And a babysitter is absolutely fine. I think it's actually fantastic sometimes to give kids space away from the parents with a babysitter. The parents should be in ultimate control of what that experience will be. But sometimes kids need to live, learn and make mistakes and explore interpersonal uh, relationships with people who aren't just their parents. Lauren says date nights are objectively correlated with more marriage satisfaction and less of an inclination towards divorce. It's not always possible, but if given the chance, it seems strange for a husband and wife to not want alone time with each other. Here's what's fascinating. Uh, Pearl Davis makes a really interesting point. She says, why? It's, an, it's interesting to think these things in terms of uh, the times of the past. I have a feeling that the women of 200 to 500 years ago were worried about, uh, which I have a feeling the women of 200 to 500 years ago were worried about date nights, probably had bigger things to worry. She means weren't worried. Seems like a modern thing to which Lauren says, Pearl, what do you mean? Why? My husband is hot and I want alone time with him. Seems pretty self-explanatory. 
Pearl says, it's interesting how when women interpret interpret information, we always reference our own personal stories first. This is not about your husband, but rather the question if date nights lead to happy marriages. Uh, No, that's just sometimes when we are explaining things, we give a personal anecdote as to our interpretation. And then we explain that. So that's that's not an issue. So I hear this all the time and it sounds like propaganda. I would guess no. You said in a February 2023 study that claims date nights lower divorce rates. That's not true. The study surveys married couples only of the 48 percent that do date nights regularly. 60 percent say the divorce is not likely at all which means 40% of couples who do date nights think divorce is in the cards. Compare with 40% of couples who don't do date nights, uh, who also say divorce is not likely at all. There is zero data on divorced couples and whether or not they attempted date nights. In fact, a good proportion of them are likely to have tried date nights to resuscitate their marriage as is uh, uh, as it was falling apart. If I had to guess anecdotally, I think date nights are not key at all. We have more date nights than ever in history and more divorces than ever. Lauren then says, uh, she responded saying, Pearl, you criticize people using their own data, yet you say a lot of I think and I feel. Anecdotes based off of online interactions. Studies show date nights contribute to marital satisfaction. You have responses of men, not women, saying date nights are important. Date nights are not just for women. My response to you is poking fun at the fact that obviously a husband and wife who love each other will want alone time where they can dedicate attention to one another. One interesting component here is divorce not skyrocketing. Lauren says divorce is not skyrocketing. It's down from its peak in 1980. We're actually at a 50 year low to which pro responds because people aren't getting married. I question conservatives ability to see reality sometimes. Look around. Do you see relationships lasting longer or shorter? And Lauren says the question is not whether relationships are lasting longer. The issue is specifically whether continuing to date your spouse improves marriage outcomes of people who actually do get married. Date nights contribute to more positive outcomes. Why are you allergic to data, Pearl? So uh, it's an interesting point. And uh, Law of Self-Defense actually chimed in as well and mentioned that uh, he mentioned something similar. Divorce is technically down in the hard numbers. So the issue there is if there were a thousand divorces 20 years ago and there are 700 now, divorce is on the decline. But Pearl's correct. People are not getting married. You're seeing a bunch of weird things like polycules and uh, weird uh, just the breakdown of the family and relationships. And I think this spells disaster across the board for our civilization. Now, ultimately, I do think it's interesting, this debate of whether or not date date night matters. But that's not what I'm trying to bring up. And I'm trying to show this because it's more about the original idea. Do men just want sex, silence and a sandwich? And there are a lot of guys who probably do. But you know what? I got to be completely honest. This is I, I don't think Pearl is married. And so I think that might play a role, I suppose. But I, I don't know. I don't know her, her relationship status. Lauren, of course, is married. And uh, as someone who is in a long term relationship, I uh, actually quite like date night, as I mentioned, date weekend. And just, you know, uh, we hang out all the time, all day, every day. I, I work and then we go hang out. And we're going to go hang out after I wrap up these videos. And then I do the show. And then afterwards, we once again are hanging out and watching movies together and enjoying each other's companies and working on family stuff, things like that. I could not imagine being in a relationship where it was just a woman who never who was silent and all we did was bang and then she made me food. I'd probably find that boring. And I think the data actually supports this view as well. They I, I've talked about this uh, on IRL recently. 
that there was data showing that when given photos of women, of young women and young girls to adult men, and what I mean by I mean teenage girls, the men rate teenage girls, yes, like 15, 16 year olds as more attractive than they, they get the highest attractiveness rating. So it's not that they're more attractive than women who are in their 20s. It's that they'll show a bunch of photos to men and say, rate them on a scale of one to 10. And typically with no other information, the men will rate teenage girls higher than uh, uh, like women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, etc. I think that's actually quite horrifying. It's kind of weird. But uh, this is why and a lot of people don't know this models that you see in malls and on posters. Yeah, a lot of them are teenagers messed up. Here's the thing. When they include data on personality, men jump up to 22 to 24. Why? The mental component plays a massive role in whether a man thinks a woman is a viable partner. Thus, I don't think silence is correct. Men want to know that the woman is a capable mother and saying nothing means probably not going to be. If a woman is submissive and silent and does nothing, who's going to help raise the children? If the role of the of the of the mother is to be the primary caregiver raising the children, she needs to be able she needs to be smart and communicate effectively and frequently and be able to articulate her thoughts and feelings. Thus, I actually think very smart women who are like if you have a woman who's very attractive and also very smart, probably going to score the guys over anyone else. But intelligence is probably not the most important factor, but it is. Same with men. Attractiveness, physical attraction is not the most important factor. It plays a big role, but status, success, confidence, charisma, these things play a big role for men. So that was my point. I saw this and honestly, it was like kind of personal. I'm like, ah, that's not for me. That's not. No, I like uh, I, I like hanging out in conversation and doing things together. I like date night and all that stuff. But uh, honestly, I'm not saying I, 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 I prove any of the data. I could be an exception. So comment. Let me know what you think. I think this stuff's actually fascinating. And a lot of people are mad at Pearl over this, but you know, it is what it is. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then.